Well, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about the home, uh, but the home has changed since the first time. Since uh, let's just go back a few years. In fact, 1973, somewhere along that neighborhood, that we uh, since that time. I mean, things have really, really changed from the home. The home is not what it used to be. To be honest with you. And it's changed in a lot of a lot of different ways. Let me mention a couple of things here that I found. Uh, I found that the home has changed biblically in a lot of ways. What do I mean by biblically? Well, I'm talking about how that people treat marriages. Um, Someone described it: marriages today is uh, chewing gum type. Uh, it loses its flavor, and let me go get another one. Uh, is the basic idea. Uh, too many times we see people being very flippant about uh, getting married. They don't realize what it is. I, I think we probably need to have more training in the Lord's church concerning marriage and what it means to be married and how to be married and how to rear children. I don't know if we put the emphasis on it like we did, say, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, we need to think about uh, these changes and what uh, has been done. Uh, marriage, I'm talking about in general, not so much in the church. Uh, marriage has uh, changed scripturally in the way that who gets married. It used to be, if I'm reading Genesis chapter uh, 2 carefully, I see that when God put the family together, he put a male and a female together. He didn't put a, a male and male and female and female. They, those are strictly condemned in the scripture in the book of uh, Romans chapter one, for an example. Uh, he clearly teaches that uh, that type of relationship and marriage is not uh, what is supposed to be. Another one is the marriage, uh, a divorce type situation. When I first got into preaching, um, you would hear of a divorce every once in a while. In fact, you hear of it, it'll be so shocking that you that you say, man, what in the world? And then it grew to maybe one out of, uh, out of five or 10, something like that. And then it increased that nearly half of all marriages today end up either in the heart or in the divorce court. And that's that's very, very unfortunate. A lot of people get hurt in a divorce. You get hurt by finan financially big time because uh, when people get a divorce, usually they're very, very angry and they're going to do everything they can to hurt the person. I'm going to take everything you have, uh, so to speak, is try to get... Um, uh, to hurt the person, even the kids. They fight over the kids, over money, over the house, or the car, or whatever it is of some value, whatever a person thinks is important to the other one. Uh, divorce really, really is damaging. Not just a year or two, but you're talking about years and years later, and especially as long as the children are little and uh, they have to be supported financially through the years. And so, I'm in the business of saving marriages. I'm not in the business of getting helping people get a divorce. Uh, 
rarely have I in my lifetime seen, and I've seen maybe one or two, where uh, a person, uh, because of the behavior of the husband or the wife, that they should divorce that person, but it was on scriptural grounds. And that is found in the book of Matthew chapter 19, and we'll read that in just a few moments concerning um, divorce and remarriage. In fact, let me just go ahead and cover it. There's only one reason for divorce and remarriage as I read it in the, in the scripture. I'm gonna to turn to Matthew chapter 19, and I'm gonna read a few verses there because Jesus is pretty clear on Matthew 19. I know that there's gonna be people who think they're Bible scholars and, and they're gonna to object to how I apply this passage, but listen, you just read the passage for what it says. And don't put somebody, man's thoughts behind it. Uh, you will see what we're saying. In Matthew chapter 19, starting with verse 3, And the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and they shall be, the two shall become one flesh. So then they shall no longer be two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man put separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses give a certificate of divorce and put her away. And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to, to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you that whosoever divorces his wife, except for uh, sexual immorality, and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So in that passage, if I'm reading that correctly, he said that the one reason for divorce and allowing to marry someone else is the person committing adultery or fornication. Now, those words of adultery and fornication are used within its context, you have to keep everything in this context or else uh, you, you can be uh, coming up with some wrong ideas. But if a person commits a fornication, that person, now watch what I'm about to say, has the right to divorce that person. And later on, if they find somebody that they want to marry and can marry scripturally, then uh, then they, uh, that's the one reason I find in the Bible. But there's another reason that a person can divorce. Uh, I mean, uh, remarry, not divorce. But another reason that a person can marry is that if their mate dies. Uh, in Matthew, in Romans chapter 7, we have a passage which talks about the marriage, which is comparing marriage uh, to the law as being married to Christ in this particular passage. And he makes it, he uses this illustration in verses two and three concerning the law. He says, oh, I'll start verse one. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, 
that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For uh, the woman who has a husband is bound by the law of her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she married to another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the, that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And so a person's mate dies, they scripturally can marry somebody else, if I'm reading my Bible correctly. And I think we need to get more people reading what the Bible says, not what somebody else says that the Bible says. Um, people, when they um, um, get a divorce, usually they look for somebody who's going to support what they're saying, what they believe and what they're doing. Uh, a lot of times uh, family members will jump on the wrong side of the scriptures because the heart is pulling and they feel sorry for that person. I don't want to make them mad or whatever. And so they, they pulled into the wrong direction and they wind up getting divorced by the support of the family sometimes uh, and not, not realizing or not thinking or not trying to think about the fact of the damage that's been done to the marriage, not only with the husband and wife and the children, but what it's doing to the church as well. What it's doing to God's institution of marriage and what he intends to do. People disregard what God says. But a person who's never been married, a person whose mate has committed adultery, a person whose mate had died, these three groups, if you allow me to use that term, these three groups have a scriptural reason to get married. Now, do people get married unscripturally? Yes, they do. And I have a responsibility to show them what the Bible says, and they have to make the decision whether they want to follow God or whether they want to follow their feelings. And when you're dealing with this particular part of life, you're dealing with something that's very, very touchy with some people in, in, in uh, make some angry people and make people um, um, your enemy, believe it or not, because they don't want anything to do with you because you don't approve of an unscriptural marriage. So divorces have come and uh, family members, people have changed whom you married male and male and female and female, which are these are, are not scriptural things if I'm reading my Bible correctly. Also, the role of the husband and wife, and we could include the children, have changed somewhat. I realize that when Ephesians 5, when the Bible talks about that the husband is the head of the wife, or 1 Corinthians 11. That, uh, that men can and sometimes, and I would say a lot of times, um, have a misunderstanding what it means to be the head of the wife or the head of the family, that they get sometimes mean to be the boss or means to be a dictator or you do what I tell you or else. Well, if I'm reading the true definition of what it means to be the head of the family, 
It simply means leadership. You're going to lead your family in a direction. You're going to lead, lead your wife in a direction of right and good and holiness. You're not going to ask your children or your, your family to do anything that you're not willing to do. Uh, you want them to clean up a mess, you need to be willing to clean up a mess yourself. That's what it means to show and direct and be willing to help and direct uh, family. Lead your family to church. Don't send them to church, but lead them to church. That's what it means to be the head of the family. A task, it's got to be done. Lead in that task, not say you go do that task, but be there to help them and show them and direct them in the uh, uh, in what is to be. That's what it means to be the head of the family. But uh, we see that the roles have changed somewhat. Um, I think in some instances that it's been good, but some is not. The roles have been changed in the fact that uh, the husband is not the leader, the wife is, or the kids may be, <laughs> and pull them in the wrong direction, not having the ability or the want to to stand up for what is right if men would be the leader that is direct his family in the right direction by teaching and by living what god wants them to do it can be a good and wholesome family but too many times we get um lax in studying and understanding what the Bible says and what God wants us to do. And so the devil kind of pulls us into the, the wrong direction. So, yes, marriage has changed in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of things uh, is not really, really, really good uh, in that kind of thing. So, we want to understand that God has a, a fundamental way uh, of scriptural marriages. First of all, as I mentioned a while ago, if a person's never been married, a person's mate died, or the mate has committed adultery, they have the freedom to remarry. Uh, they don't have to get married, but they have the freedom to remarry is, uh, is the, uh, the, the, or if a, if a husband or a wife uh, mate commits adultery on them, they have the right and the the to forgive that person. I would encourage if any infidelity enters into a marriage relationship, I would encourage them try their best to work out the problems again, for the sake of their relationship later, later on, and not only them for the, but the sake of the uh, the children. It's best to try to work it out. Not always done. I've seen people who have worked out their problems of infidelity. In it. But a lot of trust has to be rebuilt. A person who commits adultery on his wife or she on her husband, uh, they're going to be asking, so where did you go? And well, where you been all this time? And never, every time they go out the door, where are you going? Um, when are you going to be back? Well, you said you're going to be back at at uh, 7.30, and now it is uh, 7.31. Where you been? Uh, you think that's a little extreme, but it's not. People, when they get hurt, 
their trust has gone out the door and it's got to be rebuilt and it slowly, gradually can be done. I've seen it done with people and they had a lot of uh, forgiving and I admire the people who are able to do or oh, forgive them and go on with the marriage. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, so we try to work uh, through the marriage and try to make things uh, better. Now I have some passages I want to deal with concerning the relationship of the husband and wife that we find. I already mentioned Ephesians, and I'm going to go back over it just a little bit. I'm sure who, I forgot who he said is going to be speaking next week about the family and the marriage on five lessons, but I'm sure he is going to bring out some very, very, very good things that will be helpful in the, the relationship. But in Ephesians 5 and verse 22, well, let's go back to verse 21. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He's talking about the husband and wife in there. Submitting to one another in the, in the, the fear of God. And then it says, submitting, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands uh, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the high wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wife be to their own husband husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Now watch this. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, if a man gives himself for his wife as Christ gave himself to the church, there would be, it seems to me, at least on the at this point, there would be a good relationship between the husband and the wife, at least on the husband's part in this situation. But in when he talks about the wife submitting herself to her husband, then that kind of equals things out. There's going to be a, a, an equal understanding, an equal consideration, an equal of trying to be fair and forgiving and tolerant about things that can and go wrong. You know, marriage is a growth situation. You don't you get married and all of a sudden you didn't understand uh, everything. It's, it, it just takes time. Most people who get married do what they see mom and dad do. And a lot of times mom and dad have done some bad habits uh, in the marriage and the children pick that up and they carry it to the to their marriage when they get married and it's a conflict mom uh, the husband has what he's learned the wife has what she has learned by observing what mom and dad have done or grandfather and grandmother or friends and a lot of times we find that uh, it can it can bring on some serious serious situation because they're following the wrong the wrong example. The example that people should follow is the example of Jesus, how he treated his relationship with people. We should follow the relationship that he outlines in the book of Matthew five six and seven. 
I encourage people all the time. I said, when they come to me with problems, the first thing I want you to do, I want you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and apply it to your relationships. Your relationships with your husband, your relationship with your wives, your relationship with your children and your parents. Uh, that's a good place to start of, uh, of the type of relationship you have. And usually when people get that and understand what it's saying, it can uh, help improve that relationship. Of course, there are other passages that you want to include. Uh, also, when people have problems in their marriage, I would require people to, to do some reading. Now, not only reading the scriptures, but there's some books that I have found that people um need to read and understand about uh, relationships um some books that i used to recommend i don't recommend anymore uh, they're a little dated uh, but there's one book that i would encourage all men to read if they can find it uh, i don't think you will be able to read the whole book just tell you the truth it says do yourself a favor love your wife that's the name of the book and I haven't seen a man yet that's able to read the book because it's, it really uh, gets you in the corner. You realize that, hey, I'm doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. I should be approaching this relationship with my wife uh, differently. I'm causing her to, to, uh, uh, to be as she is. In fact, he starts out with an illustration in the book. And he, he says he man comes home and he's at home going into the door. And as he's going in the door, his wife is going out the front door with uh, with her suitcases and the kids. And so where are you going? She said, I'm leaving you. Why are you leaving me? And she explains very carefully to him. I've been trying to tell you this. I've been trying that, that. And he won't. A lot of men go home when they get home, they want to rest. They've been working all day, and she's wanting things, some things adjusted. She wants things done. And sometimes men uh, kind of ignore that, and they shouldn't, and it can lead to some, to some serious problems. Relationships, that's something you have to work on all the time. Your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your husband, Work on your relationship with your children, relationship with your parents, relationship with people at church, relationship with people with whom you work. This is a constant job of working on relationship. Working on your marriage relationship is a constant job because you can, without thinking, can cause some uh, division in your, in your relationship. So we're saying be careful in your relationship with God. So when Paul said, husband, the, be the head of your wife, it means to be the leader. Lead your wife in the right direction. There's a person that I like very well. He's not a member of the church, but he, he brings on some very good information about uh, having a loving relationship, and that's Gary Smalley. Gary Smalley has some good books, has some good films. His original films that came out, I, I liked them better than the older ones. 
I mean, newer ones. I like the older ones because uh, it, it gets more down to what uh, a clear understanding of what needs to be done. He says, men are not as considerate. You know, in First Peter, it says, husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Well, you need to know what makes your wife tick. You need to know what makes her. Because generally, I, I'm, I'm speaking carefully as I say this, generally what motivates a woman to do things may be different than what men. men. That may have changed somewhat over the years because of conditioning that has uh, happened in our new life, new uh uh, lifestyles that we have in this uh, in the world, but generally, a man when he gets in a car, he wants to get there. If you got eight hundred miles to go, we we'll to get it all done one day. Well, there may be women who like to do that, but usually they don't. They want to stop, and you'd be going down the road, and you say, "Honey, uh, I I need to stop up here." Okay. Yeah, we got another little ways up here and we'll stop when I see the service station. Well, a man sometimes he he is so determined to drive and to to get where he's going that he'll see a service station out of the corner of his eye, but he won't even turn and look at it, he just keep driving on going by. He said, I thought we we're going to stop. He said, We'll stop at the next one. And if you're not careful, it'd be at the next one, then the next one. And the kid's back there pounding on the back of the seat wanting to stop, but he keeps driving because he's got to get where he's going. Men don't usually, I can't say all men, but generally men are determined to get there and they don't want anything to stop. I, I think we need to learn to enjoy the ride instead of trying to determine to get there. Uh, getting there with the family can be a very good uh, experience, but men are so driven sometimes that they forget the logical, reasonable. Women are more emotional, generally. I, I don't put everybody in that situation, but generally, men reason, click, 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 and they usually have a cold, calculated thing about what's going on. For example, uh, a husband can um, see one of his kids get hurt. He'll look at it and see, uh, I don't see any blood. Get up there and let's go. <laughs> we can't see inside. There may be something inside, a broken arm, a, something hurt on the inside. But man doesn't see, so let's go, move on. Women are more tender and caring and loving uh, about what happens. You know, children generally, when they get hurt, they run to mom, not dad. And the reason for it is he usually, um, uh, even if it's a little thing, uh, women will take it and make them feel good about the hurt. And usually kiss them a little bit and roll them and hold them and, and uh, they get better pretty quickly. So men are, are, are logical. They're not is emotional involved in things. They're determined. They're a left-brain person, and they want to get it done. Women usually are the right side with more tenderness, and but there are there are uh, uh, there are differences uh, 
uh, and we need to we need to understand some of those different. I would encourage you to read some of Gary Somali's stuff and some of these other people who are very good in understanding the emotions and what drives people that will help them very, 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 very much. We need to be people with more understanding and forgiving people in the, in the, in the relationship. Yes, um, don't be so determined in driving. Be more understanding and forgiving in, in the relationship. In the book of uh, husbands are to, of course, take care of his family and he needs to uh, make sure that they have what they need. Um, I, sometimes I see men do some crazy stuff. Uh, they won't even let their wives go to the doctor. I said, man, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, she's hurting and she's sick and she needs attention, uh, uh, physical attention to her uh, her body. And, and men sometimes say, I have, but he, he needs to be understanding. And people who don't uh, care enough about their wife to let her go to the hospital. You know, if I'm reading Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, husbands, love your wives, that you care about your wife. In fact, in verse 28 of Ephesians 5, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What you're willing to do for yourself, husbands, you need to be willing to do for your wife. You're not to be selfish and self-centered. You got a relationship. You got a responsibility. And that responsibility is to care for you. What will you do for yourself? Make sure you got clothes. Make sure you got food. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you got security. Uh, these are things that are very, very important in a relationship. And uh, uh, need to, what you want, will want for yourself, you should want for your wife. In fact, husbands should make sure that their wife is protected. And that she is provided for for what she needs in her in her life. Not forget that she's part of his life. Um, I don't understand how that men can say, "Well, I need," or even women say, "Well, you know, I I need a night out with the the girls or with the boys." Listen, when you get married, that stuff is over with. Your night is with your family. Your night is with encouraging one another and helping one another in the struggles of life. And so it's important that we we understand that they're loving your wife as your own self. Now um, there's the other side of, of the of the picture here. The wife also has an obligation to her husband. And Peter when he was writing in First Peter chapter 3, he makes it very clear in uh, this relationship. He says, Wise, likewise, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they without the word may be won by the conduct of a wise. Well, what does he say? Well, sometimes people 
don't obey the gospel. And he says they may not be willing to listen to what the truth says. But he says live in such a way that that life you're living will draw that person, your husband, to Christ. And if he becomes a Christian and he lives the Christian life, then it's going to make that relationship much, 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 much better. What I have seen over the years is that when it comes to the husband-wife relationship that the wife is supposed to be, so I, I've been trying to teach him, been trying to teach him. And then the question is, well, how are you living around him? Uh, are you living what you've been telling him to do? Are you doing things that's contrary to the truth of God? Are you saying things and acting and participating in things that, uh, that are wrong? And you expect him to become a Christian. Uh, you got to live, even with the front of your children. Uh, mom and dad got to live a consistent life with what they're telling the children they need to do. A lot of children, and unfortunately it happens, that if you don't live a consistent life with what you're telling your children and telling your husband or telling your wife, then you're going to drive them away from, from, uh, from the truth and from the church and from Christianity and from God. We have to have a life in harmony with what the Bible teaches in order to draw people, draw our family uh, to God, or else we will get into some serious difficulty. Your action, a lot of times, speak louder than the words you're using your behavior toward them, how you talk with to them, how you deal with them, how are you fair with them, are you understanding, are you loving, are you kind, are you polite, or are you mean and hateful and inconsistent and doing things contrary to the truth. You, if you're going to draw people, draw your husband or wife or even your children, you... Um, have to live a consistent life with God's word. So he, your action, when we look at what he says here in this particular passage, that we need to, we need to uh, live according the, uh, of the truth that you can draw your family uh, to, uh, to God and to the church, or else we can um, get our emphasis in the wrong direction. And that's what Paul or Peter is saying here in this passage. He says that when they observe your chase or your pure conduct accompanied by fear, he said, you can draw them, but your life has got to be pure. It's got to be, it's got to be godly if you want to draw them to a godly life. And then he says in verse three, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging with hair and gold and putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. Now, I know everybody likes to look pretty. Uh, and I know that there's nothing wrong with beauty in itself. But he said there's something that is more beautiful than the outward, and that is the inward person. 
He said, adorn that person. You take care of the inward, and most of the time the outward is going to take care of itself in many, many, many ways. So work on the heart. Work on the inside. Work on your thinking. Work on the way that you uh, you treat people. Uh, and that takes work. It takes a constant training all the time. It's not something you do one time and you got it. You have to keep working over and over and over with that in order for it to for it to work. Now, verse uh, verse uh, verse four. Rather, the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible uh, beauty uh, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this matter, in the former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submitted to their own husband as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any uh, uh, terror. Then in verse 7, husband likewise, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life. Now Mark, that your prayers may not be hindered. If I'm reading this correctly, he's telling us that we can hinder our prayer life by by a bad relationship with our family. Bad relationship with our husband. Bad relationship with our wife. If our relationship is bad, then it may be because we're not behaving correctly. If our prayers are not answered, it may be because of our behavior and our relationship with our with our family is not good. What? we need to do is make sure that our relationship with our family, with our wife, our husband is, is good so that our prayer life will be good as well. So we need to be understanding. We need to be good, just and fair and kind and loving, polite, uh, as we see in these, in these passages we just read. Then, not only does he talk about in the Bible concerning the husband's relationship and what he needs to do, the wife relationship and what she needs to do, but also the children have a relationship that they need to have in their relationship. In the book of Ephesians chapter six, just one of many that we can find, but it says, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So he's got the children and the fathers looped together here in this particular passage. He says, first of all, children, you need to honor mom and dad. That means uh, don't talk back. That means don't be ugly and mean. Don't let bad stuff come out of your mouth. Don't sass 
if you would, please. Be honor your mom and honor your dad. With mom and dad need to teach children to be respectful. You see, the training of respecting people outside the home starts in the home. You have to be teaching your children to be respectful to other people, be respectful to government, to policemen, to teachers, to uh, those who are in authority, the principals of the school, anybody that has authority, they, we need to teach our children to respect that authority, not to undermine it, but be respectful. I was, um, was told just recently, and unfortunately, some bad stuff has happened. There's a some kind of program called TikTok. And people are challenging or children are challenging one another or somebody on the other end is challenging children to do bad things. Uh, on the TikTok, they... Um, Somebody challenged the children, the young people, to tear up a school, uh, the bathrooms, the classrooms, or whatever it may be. Listen, we need to teach our children that you don't follow along with that kind of stuff, that you respect property of other people, that you don't tear it up, you don't hurt it, you don't steal it. It belongs to somebody else, and you need to leave it alone because it belongs to them. It doesn't belong to you. If you want to tear up your stuff, mom and dad will say, then you tear it up, but leave mine alone. Well, we need to teach our children to respect other people's property, be respectful to other people in authority, to our teachers and to our parents, to our grandparents, and to other people in authority, to policemen. We need to teach them to respect authority. Now, one other thing, I think my time is getting close, um, about the, the fathers here. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. How can a person, how can a father provoke their children to wrath. In fact, you can make your children angry and turn them away from God if we're not real careful. How can we do that? Well, first of all, being too hard. You got to you got to make them behave, but you got to do it in the right spirit of making them behave. You can uh, be inconsistent in your behavior toward them. You can whip them one time or discipline them one time for something, and the next time it comes along, you just let it ride. And then the next time it happens, then you punish them again. Listen, you have to be consistent. You have to do it in a fair and kind way. You have to treat the children with respect, of course, but you need to teach them in a loving and kind way. So, yes, marriage in the family is a very, very important thing. I'm sure you're looking forward to what to, 
the young man's going to be saying in next week, starting Monday. And I would encourage you to listen carefully. We can always learn or maybe be reminded about different things. But when a family in this lesson, when a family is made up, it's made up of a husband and wife, number one. Number two, we find that it's made up for people who are uh, scripturally married, those who have never been married, those whose mate who died, those who mate have made committed adultery. And then we talked about the husband being the leader of the home. Being the leader does not mean being dictator, but leading and showing, directing the family in the right direction. And then the wife, we talked about her in 1 Peter chapter 3, that should adorn herself inwardly, be the kind of person who draw the husband and the family to God, not away from God, that they live in such a way that it would be submissive and to do, get them to do what was right. Then we looked at the, about the children. We talked about the children, that they to honor father and mother show respect not only to mom and dad but to anybody in authority as teachers as policemen and other people in authority that we show respect to them and we need to we need to, to do that and teach them. then fathers don't provoke our children to wrath and i've seen children just turn away from god have friends who were too lenient on their children and they are not members of the church. I've seen some were too hard on the children and that turned away. You have to show patience and kindness and direction and consistency with your children to get bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, maybe some of these things will remind you of what it means to be married and have a family. I think a marriage and family can be a good one, but it takes everybody working together. And when I say working, that's what I mean. You have to work on self. You have to work on your marriage. You have to build your relationships, mend your relationships when you do something wrong as quickly as you possibly can and help honor your husband, honor your wife, and honor one another.